Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, we're kind of in the middle of summer. We're talking, you know, we're seeing, starting to see the countdowns on Facebook, 35 days, whatever it is. Uh, You mentioned before the show here that uh, Boston comes to town in a little less than two weeks, the time of recording here, and that's Mm -hmm. weird to think about. Um, But yeah, overall, the summer's going all right, and there's really not a whole lot going on except for the head coach losing his mind already. But I mean, it's John Tortorella. We knew that was coming. Right. I will say, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just me personally because of the amount of stuff that I had going on beyond, you know, the hockey offseason and things like that, um, that it flew by. I think the summer flew by like and I know that it's like it's weird because. I, trust me, I get it from a lot of like where a lot of fans are probably coming from. Like we're getting into, you know, literally as we're talking today, by the end of this week, rookie camp is underway. They play a couple games against the Rangers rookies. And then before you know it, I think we're 10 days away from the start of training camp, the, yep. the real start of training camp. And then, like like you said, we're two, we're less than two weeks away from preseason games already. And it feels like it crept up a little bit it feels a little bit like you can sense the lack of anticipation as well. I mean, it, there's no way around it. Right. What they did over the course of the offseason, and now you're on, what, that's two months ago at this point from free agency opening and everything that went on. It feels like the, there is a lack of anticipation because it just feels like it's like it's like it's here. You know, like, it's funny. We're, record, we're recording this on the same day that, for the most part, aside from one other game, the NFL season opens, and, like, there's, you know, I'm anticipating it, obviously, for people watching the YouTube channel. You can see where my priorities lie today. But Fair enough. But it's like there's an anticipation. There's a build to that, right? Like you get – and then you get there, and it's like, all right, we're ready to go. It's time for the first game. You're ready. You know, even when preseason rolled around, and preseason in the NFL is totally pointless. <laughs> it's, you know, there's still like an anticipation for that very first one at least, and then and then everything sets in and it goes, okay, let's get this over And then six with. plays in, you remember how much the preseason sucks? Well, it, yeah, it, to be fun, I, ironically, you're almost exactly correct with that because I think that that's, you know, the Eagles starters in the first preseason game, I know that passing-wise went six for six on the first drive, and then they took them all out at that point, and they never saw another play in a preseason game, which there's only three. Well, there's only three anyway. So it's like, it it is what it is, but, but you get my point. Anticipation just feels like we're coming up on that point. We should be anyway in the hockey season where it's like, okay, listen, we're going to do one more two week pause. And then it's preseasons underway. And you know, you're into the slate of games. There's six of them. And it's the thing about the flyers, six preseason games is they're pretty, close together you know from the 24th of september through to october 4th and it's quick and i think at one point in time they close the preseason with three and four they play on the okay. first second and the fourth and it's quick and it's like okay you so know the, the, and then the phantoms will play the second game of that back-to-back and then go to lehigh valley i don't i don't know you know what you know because both of them are on the road so i don't know if it's you might see a lot of them play both just because it's hey let's get the road trip over with this quick road trip over with That's one fair. of them's a one o'clock game which is a little strange for preseason. I love it on a Saturday afternoon. Sure. I think it's going to be great. Let's just knock that one out. Because by that point, by the time you're at that last weekend of the preseason, you kind of, especially, I think especially this year because of Tortorella, it's going to be, a ver- by that point, I think a lot of things are going to be established if they aren't yeah. going in, to be honest. So 
I think that you're going to kind of get to those last couple. Like the last one's awful always. Always. I think that that's the case with just about any. Same in football too. Right. Well, I, was say, I think you can say that about the football preseason. You can say that about spring training and baseball. You can, you know, NBA doesn't really play a ton of preseason games anyway to begin with. Right. And I think you can say that about any sports preseason where it's like you get to the last one and it's pointless. Like yeah. it really is pointless. Just get it over with. Everyone's just I, trying to get through that game without getting hurt. Right. I, I think that the last couple preseason games on the road are going to be like that, too. Like you love I think you really do love the idea of starting a preseason and playing at home early, sure. which they do, which they do. They play two home preseason games in the first five, six days, which is great. Like I think within the first week of training camp, too. So that's a great opportunity to play a few veterans if they you know want to get their feet wet a little bit. And I, to an extent it kind of gets you to that weekend where there is that back-to-back and forces you to play a few vets too. I mean, you have to hit a minimum anyway in, in these games, but it forces you to a little bit because of the fact that you are that close to the regular season. And it's like, okay, we got to play a full game just with close to what we think we're going with. Right. Ryan Ellis will be healthy or, or not. Well, no, I, I, I know that's, that's not happening, but right. But, but you're, you know, I'm just what? thinking about last season. You know, we're we're getting no, to the you, end of the preseason. We're thinking about Ryan Ellis getting healthy. It's going to be great. He played yeah. four games. Sorry. But you know what you are, you know what you are thinking this year. At least you're thinking. You know, Kevin Hayes makes that trip to Boston potentially, or you know, Sean Couturier plays in the second to last game against the Islanders or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, well, and you have to. Right, and one of the things you mentioned, we kind of you kind of ran through a bunch of dates and stuff there. One of the things you mentioned is that we're getting close to training camp. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, and this this gets me towards the uh, the comments Tortorella made the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, as we get towards training camp, you see more veterans showing up than usual, mm-hmm. and the the message has been pretty clear. And Elliot Friedman talked about this on the one of the more recent Thirty Two Thoughts podcasts. You better be ready, mm-hmm. and if you're not ready, you're gone. Basically, was the message. Uh, I believe the phrasing was, "We're not afraid to leave anybody behind." Right, and and, and supposedly he heard this from pretty much from a player, which uh, tells right. you a lot. He's, he's talking about sources very close to the situation, to the point right. where it's it's a player or someone very close. Right, and I love it because it's sure. it's accountability. It's get in there. It's get in shape. It's you know learn the Tortorella system. But it's a lot. And, right. And the the comments John Tortorella has come out with uh, on the 8th, talking about major concerns with the Flyers locker room. Right. He goes, I, I've spent some time in the office talking to players, talking to personnel, talking to Chuck, all the front office. I have major concerns about what goes on in there. Right. Kind of, it's kind. I I feel a little validated just given what we've talked about over the last couple of years, and I mentioned this locker yeah. room stinks. Right. So let's let's try to parse all this together because yeah. there's because there's a couple things that that I I want to talk about with this. So first of all, I do want to look at the like the la- the latter portion of what he said on that Sirius XM. Yeah, interview. he spoke for a little while with Sirius, but like. Because he's sitting here talking, like, when he says that, like, and if you just cut it off at exactly where you cut it off with, which is just the major concerns with what goes on in there, this is not good, obviously. 
The next portion of that, though, kind of feeds into what Elliot Friedman was talking about on 32 Thoughts, which was, you know, before we even step on the ice, situations and standards and accountability in the room is forefront. You can't get squat done on the ice until you get the room straightened out, and I think we have a little bit of work to do there. Th that's just more of the same thing, right? That's just more of the, listen, we can't do anything here, and we can't establish anything until we figure out who we are in the room. Right. And enough of the noise from the outside, enough about what the opponents did. This is about the room and what wasn't, you know, what has to be done in there first. What, basically, it's what can we control. Right. And well, that's all well and good. But and we've seen that with this team going back a couple of years, like even thinking about the um, the season leading directly into the pandemic, the the 1920 season. Mm -hmm. Flyers started very hot. Then we're very bad for a very long time. And then turned it around in March or April and became one of the hottest teams in hockey and was making a run. Oh, well, a little bit before that because March was when everything was done for. Oh, you're you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the, going into about, that, it was March about January. It was mid January. I, I I remember it distinctly because they right. had an awful West Coast holiday. They trend. were atrocious in December of 2019. Atrocious. I wonder if guys were sick. Anyway, they were um, pretty. They were pretty good into November. Like. Like, I remember, like, it wasn't just October. I think it was, like, it was, like, mid-November, and they were still doing pretty, like, they were still doing okay. They well, kind of had a, I, I think what you're talking about is they kind of had a month where it was, like, for, just about for every win, there was a loss that was coming. It was almost, like, 500. Right. So they stayed afloat. Like, October was decent. They stayed afloat that, that November. December was not good. But December, I think, was also one of the lighter portions of the schedule because right. until that West Coast trip. like Well, and if I recall... Oscar Lindblom was diagnosed in late November of 2019. You know what? N close. Like I, it was sometime in that time, early in that 2019 season. It might no, have been October. I, it, it was early in that season. It was no. It was it was into December by that point. I, and I know because they went on a three game semi Western trip because they were in Colorado, right. Minnesota. I think Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Okay. And they they got swept out of that entire road trip. Yeah, they got destroyed, and I get it because I mean you just got rocked with. Well, this because news. they did they didn't find out until they they literally like landed the day, in Colorado yep. and then found, and found out. out. Right, and he At had and he had to leave. Trip. Yep, that's the other thing too. He had to um, just up and leave the trip. Right, so we saw the locker room take a dump. And, and again, rightfully so. I mean, I'm not giving any of the players a hard time for that, right? Like, no, when, no, no. When a teammate's going through something like that, that's just where you're at. But you see the locker room take a morale dump, and the performance on the ice suffered. Once they got a little bit of news that Oscar started, or, you know, was making it through treatment okay and was probably going to be okay, the team on the ice snapped it right back and became the best team in hockey leading into that break. Here's the thing with that, because now I'm looking at the actual schedule a little bit just to go back to that year. They actually didn't start off super great when you think about it. They, I mean, they won their first couple of games because they had the Prague game and then they had the home, the true home opener in Philly, and they won both of those. Then they lost four in a row. Then they won three in a row. Like, I think that was almost the entire season for them was like kind of streaky nature of some of these things because they would they lost three, four in a row, win three in a row, had two more kind of really bad losses. You know, you know, kind of picked it back up, had a four game winning streak kind of right. early November, lost four in a row, then won five in a row. Like, it's weird how they did that. You know what I mean? And it oh, kind right. of kept back and forth. And then you're right. They got well. And this was the funny part. They got through. They got to that three game losing streak on yeah. the road when they found out about Oscar Lindblom, came home, got to see him and then rolled off four more wins in a row. Yeah. And and, and 
That's kind of what I'm saying. And, like, we go back three years, and that's a vibes team. And I, I've been saying sure. it for years that this is a vibes team. I've said it since the bubble. Right. By the that, way, your your real answer for when they really got rolling was post-All-Star break. Okay. Because and when, when was they, the All-Star break? Uh Last week, January? last full last full weekend of January was okay. that because, I, because listen, they I forget up, what a normal season looks no, like because they came they came back from that road trip, grabbed a win against Washington at home, and then kind of had a few back and forths where even the only loss that I can find on here that was truly bad was they lost to Montreal at home, but that like they lost one nothing to Tampa at home and everybody looked at that game and went well geez you know what the goalie was spectacular right you know okay that happens they had a couple of like the, they they kept having wins that you're like okay wow like these are really good wins like the comeback win against Boston the win in St. Louis in in overtime you know couple games like that and then they came out in early February post break they lost like they lost to Pittsburgh on the last day of January in overtime and then yep. came out after that and it was good win against Colorado good win against Detroit had a horrible loss against New Jersey then come back with really good win against Washington good win against Florida like they kept just stringing together, and then and then finally, about mid February, while they had a few losses scattered in there, they were kind of trading win loss win loss, and then next thing you know, what was it, nine in a row? Uh something like that. Nine in a row, lost the possible tenth in a row against Boston, two nothing, and then next thing you know, everything was over. Yep. That's how, like, but that's and that's how they got to that point, and but they were at that point rolling, rolling. You're absolutely right, and I do draw some similarities here to this upcoming season, at least in terms of like when that was Elaine Vigneault's first year, what made people like Elaine Vigneault at the beginning and like where that team was going was the preview of it all. The idea yep. that there were cameras everywhere is first training camp. So you got to see it, right? Be a bleep and flyer. Well, but you got to see behind the scenes in terms yep. of yes, the meetings, but you got to see with him mic'd up. Hey, we got a microphone on the coach during practice. Yep. And he's tell and he's getting pissed about stuff and he's really showing it, you know, and he's trying to get them ready for this type of stuff. And to their credit, they came out and in the early going of the season, they won games in October that you went, well, that team, you know, last year, they wouldn't have won that game. Yep. And and they got they, in November they won the and they close did that 50 50 puck luck games. They won a lot those. more. Yeah. yeah. And then and then they, they got to a certain them. point and then they got to a certain point in the schedule where you went. Okay, look, now they're really winning a bunch of games. And every time you keep saying, well, they should be beating this team, they are beating this yep. team. Now they're you know? just good. We we were talking about them going into that March break. We were talking about them as a top five team in the NHL. And I think we were underselling how well they were playing at the time. Because of the fact that for the first time in a really long time, there was no question. Like, we've had seasons before <sighs> where we come good. on and talk. What we Where we come on and talk and it's like, okay, you know what? It's March and they're in a playoff race. And we'll see if they get, like, number three in the division. All right. Are they, they might get a seventh probably, in the conference? Right. They're probably going to be a wild card. They, they're really going to have to do a lot right here to just squeeze into the playoffs. No, no, no. This was, they were top two in the division they're rolling. and, and everybody knew like, it wasn't a question. We're, I've had, we're talking about home. Ice, maybe not home ice in the East, just because the Atlantic was so good that year. Right. But you're looking at home ice through the first two rounds. Potentially. And, yeah. and we were like, I've covered seasons in the past where they do just barely get in. And, and you're finally like, for me, the realization of they're going to make the playoffs comes on like March 28th or something. Right. You know what I mean? This was, 
it's like March. It was late February, early March. They late played a February. game on, because yep. they played a game. They played a series. You know what it was for me? They played a back to back against the Rangers on the 28th of February and the 1st of March. And it was a leap year. So there was a day in between. Right. But I, they won both of them. Yep. Convinced, I think convincingly. And I went, all right, they're making it. There's no question they're making the playoffs. Because and and then the only thing that was left was they they had to play Washington, who was leading the division at the time, and they went out and they, you know, had some tight moments. Don't get me wrong; like it was a close game for a good stretch, but they pulled away in that too. And then you went, oh my goodness, like this team is really on a roll. They're yep. beating Washington like this. They, they just took two from the Rangers, two from Columbus, who was pretty hot coming in until the injuries caught up. But like everything was leading to like you were feeling the vibe there yeah you were vibing all right with that team because of where they were at that time of the year obviously obviously every team suffered from the covid outbreak pause whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. from an on ice i am removing off ice stuff i'm not talking about marco rossi getting sick for a year i'm not talking about any of that from an on ice team perspective i don't know if anybody got derailed as hard as the flyers did probably not because i think that any other team that's at this stage at this point or in this particular position or where the expectations lie i guess is another way to look at it is anybody really surprised that arizona's here per se or is anybody really surprised like or or you know no. that seattle's like the up and coming team that hasn't made it yet because it's only their second season no Buffalo i don't think people are still th- at the bottom cuz craig anderson is their top goalie going into this year i do think that they have at least you know they've got some players i feel good about like their future in certain sure. well like uh, until we see what happens and if like if like, listen, if you, if Craig you, Anderson and Aiden Hill is your goal. Well, if, if you, well, the, like, no, it's, but it's, it's okay. Listen, you drafted Owen power with the first overall pick. And I think he's going to be a really good defenseman. I really do. But until Buffalo successfully develops a player, I don't expect them. To. Well, right. Like until, until you get through a number of seasons and you go, they didn't know, screw him up. And I know Rasmus Dahlin has been solid. He has. And we'll see, you know, what he does on, you know, if he ever plays on a real team, but as it sits right now, I would say he's underdeveloped. Anyway, um, but yeah, that. But, but you're right. Like to go to your original point, like yeah, yeah it, there's not many teams out there. I mean, even because you said on the ice, then even the you know even Chicago's downfall is a little surprising. That's fair. On ice, right? right. I mean, be, well, because of what they've decided to do, I guess, too, is uh, right. the point. Like, right. like, if we're looking at just at roster construction, forgetting, you know, not that you want to forget the off-ice stuff that happened there. It's not right. that. I'm saying... No it, Brandon Hagel, no Kirby Dot. Like, they're just selling off everybody. Well, right. That's what I mean. Like, if you would have said, hey, you know what? They're going to draft a guy really high in the draft like Kirby Doc, and then say three years later, okay, see ya. If I told you 24 months ago... I mean, John, and DeBrinket's the big one to me. Right. If I told you 24 months ago, Kane and Taves are still there. They want to get traded, but they refuse to trade them. <laughs> but there's or no they, DeBrinket. But they've traded everyone else around them. They've traded Hagel. They've traded DeBrinket. They've traded... Uh, Doc. Kirby Doc. Doc. They, they, everybody. They let Adam Bockwist walk to free agency. They, they, Duncan they, Keith was one of the core guys that did get yep. to move on. You know? Yep. It's insane to me. The Chicago situation where I don't know if Kane and Taves don't want to get traded or won't officially ask for a trade or if the team refuses to trade them. it It's the weirdest standoff 
I've ever seen in my life. It's not that uh, to me. It's not that unusual though, because to me now, granted, okay, if they're asking, like, yeah, they're asking out and they won't do it. That's a little different, obviously. But for you know, for a Taves or a Kane, and they're and I, I'm not trying to put them in the same stratosphere here in terms of status, but it's a little bit like Claude Giroux in the sense because like, yeah, you can see yeah. the end, like you can see where the end falls, right? I'm willing to put Jonathan Taves and Claude Giroux in a very, very, very similar category. No, and I'm not tr- like I said, I'm not trying to compare the players. In no, terms no, no, I know what they've achieved it's, but it's 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 when you can see that the end is there, like you know where like the cutting off point is, like this era's got to end, and Father Time is undefeated, right? Well, and it, 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 not even that because it's the you can see where this should end, close the door on this era and this chapter of the book, and move on and start writing a new one, kind of thing, and. Like, they could have done that the opposite direction, right? Like, they could have traded – you could have set set out to trade Kane and Taves and said, nope, the guy, you know, we're writing the new chapter and it's around to brink it, for example. You know, instead they moved every young player, like every under 25 who was good and said, you know, we're rebuilding that way instead. Yep. Now, they've got – look, they have a ton of picks. Yeah. So I can't fault them that way. I mean, they they've sure got do. a ton of picks. And they guess what? They have a what? gutted husk of a roster. <laughs> No, and guess what? When you go out in free agency and sign guys like Max Domi and Fair. to a one-year deal with worth $3 million and say, you know what? Halfway through the year, eat half the salary, make the trade, get a pick or two. You got your – you know, you're going to get it. Absolutely. You're going to succeed in that way in terms of getting more of what you want, which is draft capital. Especially because he's going to have a billion minutes because there's no one else playing <laughs> in Chicago. I mean, that'll be interesting, yeah. But – but back to Tortorella because yeah. this is this is about the Flyers and all that type of stuff. Right. So if you know, looking at that last portion, just about trying to establish standard and accountability and all that stuff like that, I don't think any of that's surprising. I think we suspected that. You know, I think we suspected there's an accountability problem. And bottom line is, and we said this when you know, it's funny that we're even here talking about this because we said this when Elaine Vigneault came in. Well, now the players have nowhere to hide because it's you know Vigneault's new. They're not going to yeah. ditch him. Right. Not in year one. Like, if it doesn't go where it's supposed to go, it's not going to be his fault. It's going to be we don't have the right team. So do you think anything's going to happen to John Tortorella this year? Absolutely no. not. Not a chance. And I honestly, if, okay, when he was hired, before he was hired, when mm-hmm. the conversation was brought up, you and I agreed that he probably wasn't the right coach for this team at this time. But. hmm he might be the right coach to shine a spotlight on what's wrong with this team. I think that's part of it because we're going now. If we're going back to the Elliot Friedman stuff from Thirty Two Thoughts during the course of this week, by the way, because the first thing that was talked about was like the, he had talked earlier in the week about this concept of like you're going to show up to camp and be ready. We're not afraid to leave anybody behind, kind of thing. Like if you fall behind, we're not afraid to leave you behind. Like right. there's that's not an option. Shape up or ship out. Pretty much. And that's it. Look, that's a Tortorella thing. Like, I'm sure by now you've heard about the, you know, whether it's he sends a letter or an email, it doesn't really matter what way it gets them. There's a message that goes to the players and he does this every year. This is a John Tortorella staple that he sends you an expect, basically an expectations letter. Be ready. So Cam Atkinson knows about this. Kevin Hayes knows about this. No, I don't think Hayes does. Like from personal experience, Hayes Hayes probably does. Fair, you're right. Hayes probably does from playing with. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and you know that's a it's a tough call because Hayes was 
you know, maybe he was in that organization right at the tail end of this, but not playing right, for the right, Rangers. Right, right, right. So you've got a point there. But he definitely you know, would have known about it. You're right. But like, nonetheless, it's like there's an element of that where it's, you know, he does. And is it a tactic? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, like if there's nothing more, like if, if nothing else, John Tortorella knows that he's an intimidating figure and can jump into that situation. John Tortorella head first. psychological warfare whenever he wants. You know, but there's but there's a difference between what we hear from what we heard from Freeman on 32 thoughts and just kind of getting a secondhand report of it. Right. Like you don't want to you know, you get this. Yeah. OK, sure. The letters go out and it's be ready. You better show up to camp ready. There's a certain let's just say there's a reason why the players are back, by the way. Right. Because oh, they yeah. Were, they were told get to camp early. And I'm willing to bet a couple of them showed up a little pudgy because they went, oh, we got to go. But well, we'll I'm willing to bet I, I they're working their tails off I don't off know now. about that. I don't know about that, and I'll tell you why I don't know about that. Because you've known John Tortorella as the coach of this team since For June. a while. That's fair. And if you know, you've known for you three know months he's he your coach, and, and you know what to expect. Cam Atkinson's played for him. If Cam Atkinson can't text the rest of the teammates and say, hey, get I hope look, he seriously. Did. I hope he got in great shape and just didn't text everyone else. Nah, because I, I, I can't see Cam Atkinson being that guy. Like, I'm he just wants picturing – I'm just he picturing wants- Averman from D2. <sighs> I knew we forgot something. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, but I look at like like it's the, the thing about the 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 clip that has been going around like wildfire about the major concerns in the room and all. It's like for, first of all, major concerns in the room can kind of have two meanings in this case because one can be like, hey, I'm already talking to people and I don't like what I'm hearing, like. Don't like what I'm hearing in terms of I think that we, we're going to have problems this year. Right. There's also the, you know, I'm hearing horror stories from last year. So I wasn't here. I'm asking players, what was it like? How do we establish a standard and accountability in the room? And they're telling me what it's like from what it was like last year. And I don't like this one bit. I have major concerns with what went on. Like it's like he's saying the, the well, thing was, I, I have major all- concerns about what goes on in there when there's not really a room that's established yet under him. Right, and we all know that last year was awful. So I'm thinking he's saying it more like it's it it doesn't come across the right way because he's saying it in the present tense. Like I have major concerns about what's going on in there. Right? It's like, well, what's going on, or is it what did go on? Right. I think he's talking more about I have major concerns about what went on. Like, and he kind of like this is where you kind of have to straddle the line of well, he's already said this because he already said I think it's it's splintered, and that's fair. Like, here's my thing. One of the things we mentioned was that Elliot Friedman said something about there were guys in the room that hated each other, essentially. That by the end of the room, they, at the end of the year, they kind of hated each other. That's how toxic the locker room is. There were no major changes this offseason. Pretty much. I mean... I, like, I, I, I hope things is... can be different. But I'm concerned about putting the same bunch of people in the room and expecting when, a different result. When exactly are you talking about, though, when that was said, though? Because of the fact that, like, what I'm trying to get at is that – and I, I'm not trying to paint a picture here sure. that, I, that I don't know every detail about. But but I do have one kind of common denominator here that no longer factors in, you know? Okay. And, and that you could sit there and say, hey, you know what? When the season was essentially over on the first losing – first 10-game losing streak right. in December – Nothing was able to change realistically 
other than, hey, we're going to swap out a coach for an assistant who's already been here for the last three years also. Right. Until you got to March. Somebody That's... was – no, somebody was moved in March that didn't come back. Interesting. And he did, you know, assume a position of leadership. Is that potentially the horror story of the locker room? Wow. Are we has... are we as a fan base turning on Claude Giroux? I'm not trying to turn on what he did as a player. <laughs> but what know. I'm trying to get at is that, you know, like – and here's, here's the simplest explanation well, I can and give. And we know Claude is competitive as hell. But here's the, here's the most simple explanation I can give you for like for this. He held, you know, we talked about he held the keys to whatever he wanted to do, right? Like he was in charge of where he wanted to go, how he wanted the trade to go down, when he wanted to get traded. Uh, I'm willing to I I think Bob Clark was stepping on the scale a little bit on that one to try to get him that thousandth game. Well, that's what no, but that's what I mean. Well, I, but that's I, what I mean to an extent. No, I, but I think he wanted to because I wouldn't was, be this is where if, I. I wouldn't be surprised if the organization uh, encouraged the idea because in a season where they're struggling, they know for a fact that's a sellout. You're not wrong about like yes that they probably influenced that decision a little bit right. in terms of when in the in the season. I'm talking about when in general. Like okay, yeah, he, he, he had to no, no move. Yeah. He had a no move, and if they would have approached him at any point and said, "Listen, well, you got two years left. You're still a good player. We feel, but we feel like it's time to move on here, and we're willing to do this right now." You know, I don't think he would have done it with two years left, just because that would have been coming off the bubble, going into that. Short well, no, there wasn't season. a reason to. But I'm, you don't right. think you don't think after everything with COVID hit, and then they didn't finish. You know, they finished the season the way it was, and then the year before was bad. Like, they could have in the offseason done the same thing, and it would have been, it would have been Vor- like the Voracek trade. Not to, not, not that they had to talk to Voracek about it. Right. I, I just think that that's what it is, that they, they, they didn't approach him, right? Like, right. That, it, that it didn't happen. And I'm wondering if that whole situation that, it, you know, whether it was, like, if you want to talk about why did play, like, if there was, why did players, like, seemingly hate each other or whatever as much as they can sit you know like forget the thousandth game thing because by that point everybody knew what was going to happen the weekend after right yeah no absolutely i think that that i think the difference here is is that the build up to it like this idea that he's like he's going to be here until we get to that point and it's not getting any better they're losing a ton of games i mean by that point didn't they what was their like they had lost a bunch of games. They had like one win. No, maybe not. Okay, they had a couple other wins in there, but this was like right in the middle of another big losing streak, wasn't it? Uh, or did they? Hit, or did they hit the the other long losing streak? No, because they won games in April that took it away. So they were on their way to one. Like they got into late March and like had lost a few games in a row, and then they closed out with a big, kind of a big one too. But by, by that point, they so by that point they had already done it again. They had lost. More than ten, in, or maybe it wasn't more than ten. Or I think it was ten in a row flat. Maybe. Yeah, I, that time. I, listen, at a certain point, the ten game losing streaks kind of blend together, and it's all just miserable. To think uh, right, about. but okay, okay. What I'm trying to get at though is, is that like when you're playing games where you know you don't have a prayer, like, and it turned that way, or or even not even that, because like they played Edmonton and lost three, nothing in one of the most boring games I think I've ever seen. Oh my God. They played, you know, they go on the road to play Florida and Carolina. I think the Carolina game wasn't as bad, 
But no. they actually were. It was tied one one at the I end. I think of the Carter Hart period. played his tail off in that game, if I recall correctly. Well, he still lost three to one, and well, well, one of them was an empty netter. I was say it was an empty netter. I'm pretty sure Carter Hart made forty plus saves. I in that game. don't know about that because this was March. I think he might have been done already. Was he? Okay. I think yeah. Martin oh, Jones played it? that. game. It was Martin Jones who had a spectacular game. That's what happened. Yeah, he made thirty three saves that game. Right. And right, then they right. followed. By the way, they followed that up. They played at home against Montreal, and I think they were up three to one and blew it really late or something like that. Or we love that. Yeah, or oh no 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 no. I'm sorry. I know what it was. They so they were tied two two at the end of the second period. I'm looking at it now. They took the lead early in the third, and then Rhett Pippen um, scored with less than a minute to go. Short handed. <laughs> And then they won Cole Caulfield scored in overtime. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So either way, the point be the point being that I wonder if that has influence on it. Like that the the, the fact that that whole thing like they I, I don't like look, I don't know how many games they won after the trade deadline, but they had a, like they didn't have really another majorly long losing streak for a little while because the trade deadline hit. They made whatever other moves they did, like that, or it was close to the trade deadline. Couple so, minor moves. Well, no, so Justin Braun, did, well, no, so Justin Braun didn't play in that Sunday game because they knew what was coming, right. and you know stuff like that. But they beat the Islanders, they beat the St. Louis Blues on the road, they beat the Rangers on the road, they beat Columbus on the road, like, and they were almost going back and forth, like just about until they had one more, like seven gamer or six game losing streak and then won a couple of games against Montreal and then Pittsburgh, interestingly enough, until yep. you know, they closed out with three more losses. Uh, yeah, and man, last season was just tough. And I, I know, just wonder if that's the splinter, that's all. I, well obviously we'll see. And but here's the thing though, I, I feel like even though you talked about how John Tortorella phrased it, and we both know it wasn't phrased the best, the fact that he did use present tense, though, makes me believe that he doesn't think the problem's gone. Well, and the reason I don't like it is that is exactly that reason. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're looking at this on the surface and hear the, the new head coach, because believe me, every, you know, every other comment that was on this when this clip came out and anybody writing about it like I did and all that stuff like that, every other comment was, well, then why'd you take the job? Must have been for the money, you know, or whatever. Like, like because like if you're sitting here coming into a first situation all, going, hey, every, I'm Everyone really takes their job for the money, first of all. <laughs> well, and, and second of all, if, if, if this is your response to this, then – it's a little bit like you don't know what John Tortorella does, like right. that there's tactics. John Tortorella will go out there and tell you that, that, that every practice was garbage when in reality, like, or, or you know, whatever, because yeah, just, he's, just to set a tone. He's a tone setter with his words. Everybody knows that. He is maybe the last in the drill sergeant psychological warfare camp. And like, it's not to say he like. Just tortures. use the word that everybody knows you want to use right now. Okay. Just use dinosaur. Like. No, no, no. Not. I'm not even saying that necessarily as an. He, he's one of the last, though. You got to admit. That. No, I know. I mean, no, that's... he's definitely a dinosaur, and <laughs> I, I do believe his takes about the Zegris Michigan flip goal. I do believe that was a little bit pushed on him by the TV studio. Didn't look like he was defending that with honesty in his heart. Uh, but I mean, social media world. Yeah. You uh, sure. Play. 
But I don't think... I don't even necessarily think like drill or a dinosaur in a bad sense. I just think he's got that old school mentality and he, he, well, likes, he does. Well, right. And he doesn't mind playing mind games with his guys. In fact, I think he enjoys it. And I think in recent years, John Tortorella has kind of seen. Okay. For example, he has seen the errors of the Mike Babcocks of the world. Well, sure. And has learned how to sidestep that sort of, uh, that crossing the line. Well, there's, because there's still an element for, to, at least to his tactics, in my opinion, that, that is, I want to see how much you can take. Exactly. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I think he's just trying to separate, you know, the men from the boys kind of in a as, sense. Like As long as you stay within the bounds. And I think that's something he has learned through his career. Yeah. I, I Oh, I'm sure. But like, and well, and a lot of people have said that too. Like I, I see a lot of stuff that comes out. That's like, you know, like talking about his evolution and what he's done. No, but he's stay, you know, try to stay with the times kind of, if you will. But right. like the, the reason why people don't like the way this sounds is because of the fact that if he comes out in June and it's the first week since he's been hired or whatever, however you want to look at it, and he's sitting here saying, I think the room's splintered a little bit. Like, you're still given 30,000-foot view, kind of. Like, hey, I didn't really watch a lot of their games last year. I was doing national work. Right. So I heard Elliot Friedman I didn't, say they don't like each other. It kind of seemed like they were splintered. Right. Right. Like, you probably get one, and I don't think he even has to go off of Elliot Friedman, per se. Hey, like, you know what I mean. Was, like, No, I know, but you know what I'm saying. He's going, yeah, I, I get it. And I heard from a guy. Right, but he's he's sitting there in studio, everybody's talking, and he's not going to do anything more than watch, what, 15 minutes of a game, 10 minutes of a game that they right, play? Like he's, just, not that's all he's, he's not right, studying that's all tape he's, like, he's, like they're an opponent. Well, because that's all he's going to catch typically anyway. So there's nothing wrong with saying, I think it's splintered. I think everybody was, you know, everybody kind of could see that anyway. So nobody was arguing that at the time. Right. To go on the air... And say that three months later from your hiring. That's problematic. That means because, you've had time to dig around and you still think it stinks. Well, because it's exactly it's in exactly what he said. I spent time at the office talking to players, personnel, Chuck Fletcher. This is like I'm getting I have major concerns about what goes on. You know, what's funny to me. He's talking, you know, specifically because he says as far as the room, I have major concerns about it or whatever. I, I love the isolate, like not isolated, but it's like I love the part where if you just took the last part of that thing, you know, spending the summer going back and forth. I live in New York, going right. to Philly, trying to relocate, blah, blah, blah. I have major concerns about what goes on in there. Sounds like an organizational thing more than a locker room <sighs> thing. Well, like, like, no, like uh, if you just took that quote, not the part where it says I, the room, I have major concerns about the room. Okay. Major concerns about the room is a player thing. Like, I'm the coach, these are the players. And I have concerns about what's going on with those players. So allegedly, why did why did Ron Hextall get fired? What was the the final straw? That he had control over the room, supposedly. Like that he like that he, that he wouldn't let like the tyrant level hang control out in the room. Right, like tyrant level control. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, I don't think no, I don't think that that was a problem. Uh, I think someone has tyrant level control over that room, and there can be only one. Well, I guess two, uh, a two-headed Broad Street bullies monster. I don't, I, I don't believe that for, a, not don't believe that for a second. It's just, I, I don't think that there's a separate like 
I, I, I don't like right now. I don't know why you would get that sense unless he that's who he's talking to. I mean, I, that, that's the point I guess you're trying to make is that like if you're talking to people around the organization and saying I have major concerns about what goes on in the room, then that's a thought process that comes from everybody else who doesn't have day to day involvement necessarily, but still has their fingerprints all over it. Right. Like maybe like, that's a point. Do we do we have the words flyer mentality all over the place? Do we have like. You, I mean, you want to. We all know what you're talking about at this right. point. You're talking about a major changing of the guard, which is get rid of everybody. Which and we that's about. and that's something that we have talked about a lot. And I know it's not going to happen, and I understand that. But I wonder, and obviously, again, there's not there's only so much he's going to be forthcoming with in one of his first media avails as Flyers head coach. He's not just going to come out and go, "Yep, Bob Clark's the problem." But if Bob Clark's the problem. That might be the you know the major problems he sees in the room. You know, we talked about somebody else who was a long term captain here who might have been the problem. I just the thing that doesn't make any sense about that though is, look, we we glorify it and we overemphasize it because it's the Flyers, right? Right. The, it, this is the team that hires from within all the time. Blah blah blah. You know, all that stuff. There's a lot of teams that do that though and don't have this issue. So I either. Agree. So either you do it to the extreme and these are complete influencers on your room or you just have players who can't take the heat. Right. But who else's image is built on punching people in the face and not being particularly good at the hockey? Portion well, OK, of if you're talking about the entire offseason outlook being, well, they're going to be tougher to play against. Like, listen, no, no, no I'm, to play. I'm just talking about the overall perception of the franchise. So, OK, when I mentioned it earlier, when Alain Vino said be a bleeping flyer. What was he saying there? He was saying, be tough, be gritty, be hard-nosed, play hard. That's what being a flyer is. Maybe that is where the problem is. Maybe we don't need players that are gritty and tough and can hit and can blah, blah, blah. Maybe we need skilled players. Maybe we need fast players. Maybe we need talented players. I'm not saying you're wrong. I get the point where you're coming from with it, but I, I like Chuck Fletcher's not a flyer per se. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't an internal hire. But and is yet Chuck Fletcher a yes man, which is something he's been accused of. Well, being okay, amazing. fair enough. I get that. But what I'm trying to say is, is that then, well, I've I've made this argument already this off season, so I'm not gonna spend okay. 30 minutes doing it again because of the fact that I even said, yeah, if he's a yes man or whatever, then why is he here? If the, if you don't understand today's NHL, like he's saying yes to the right people, but, but then bottom. Okay. Then fine. Then you're going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why we're here. Look like, at the, like, uh, look at the team. Chuck Fletcher took over. Look at the team now. Like, well, but that's but that's the, but that's part of what we've been arguing all off season. That does nothing makes sense with what they're yep. doing. But but that's you know, at Fire some point, that's, well, at some point that's exactly though. At some point that's got to crash and burn hard. Yep. Right. Like, which is okay. Which goes back to what Friedman was talking about the other day. But at the end of the, the day, podcast. but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter 
if the guys who hire the next GM can just hire another yes man. Like, until they recognize that they're the problem, as long as there are people under them that they can continue right, to blame, no, all right. it doesn't matter. No, Well, that's fine. Until you Then let's get to this then. I'm putting this up on the screen. I'll tell you why I'm putting this up on okay. the screen. Because this is their promotion right now for fans who want to buy tickets, right? Yeah, and if, you, if you're wondering what Kevin's talking about, check us out on our YouTube channel, YWT Podcast. Uh, it's we called have the Flyers Fan Pass. Right, we have a banner awesome. up that's asking about the Flyers Fan Fan pass. So here's the thing. From a marketing standpoint, this is a good idea. Not in terms of like trying to draw interest in a team. I think every team should have something like this. I agree. That's affordable. Like, hey, for $25, you'll get into the building. But isn't that, yeah, that's what Revolutionary Row is supposed to be. No, I get that. But I, I think that you should have like the Flyers used to have a family section. Right. That was more affordable than the rest of the seats. It was it was non-smoking and, back in the day when that mattered. Well, <laughs> Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mean the fact that now that no building is basically I, yes, I know. like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I'm saying that's that was two sections of the entire arena that were always sold on a game by game basis. Yep. Not season ticket holders, not whatever, all that stuff. The biggest thing with this fan pass, which, okay, uh, granted, four games in a month, $25 a piece basically for the games. You may be sitting in Revolutionary Row right. where it's it just exactly gets you in the where building. It's, no, where it's legit face value for the ticket. Right. Or you may be sitting in a seat that is $75 or $150. Depending on who's <laughs> what didn't sell. Pretty much. But at the same like, okay, this is where the major concern lies with this whole thing because they put out the dates for the first couple of months and for the most part most of these are insignificant okay what what, what was one of them i think one of them in october was you throw that what that sunday nighter against san jose yeah all right i get it sunday night against san jose san jose's not gonna be a great team this year probably so yeah by all means i get it you know right the home opener is on it which means that they have not sold out their home opener, which yeah. means that, hello, what is your fan base telling you? That's how you get through to these people. That's the only way. I've said it all along. Yep. You want to get through the two, hey, hire a general manager that doesn't put together a team that is built for the, you know, three decades ago. So it's about toughness and not catching up to players with better speed and skill. Then don't go. I imagine the first five home games, Jersey, Vancouver, San Jose, Florida, Carolina, are all going to do fairly well just because it's the early season and you kind of have that excitement, blah, blah, blah. After the third week of the season, fourth week of the season, they go on a little road trip, play New York, the Rangers, Toronto, and Ottawa. They come back and play a Tuesday night in Saint, against St. Louis. If the team is bad by then, and we kind of think they might be, that St. Louis game could be the first well, in a long line of ugly games. Let's go. Well, no, I have it sooner than that, and I'll tell you why. Let's go back to what Elliot Friedman said about, you know, because one of the other things he said was, that was basically kind of the general thought about the Flyers this going into the season is a bad start is not an option. Right. And, and I think we can all make an assumption as to why. Chuck right? Fletcher's gone by Thanksgiving if they're bad. Well, in yeah. general, right? Like, I'm not trying to put a – like, I've – I believe that to be the case. I think right. that that's a timeline that seems fit. Yep. But I'll get the Ron Hextall. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is, is that the general manager's job is on the line. You basically ran it back with the same roster. So if you don't get off to a good start with the new coach, every person is on the line. I mean, yep. if they really wanted to, they could dismantle this entire team with nothing but young kids. Yep. If they really wanted to. You could play the Phantoms if you wanted to. But... 
you start like when you start your season and everything like starting the season with New Jersey and Vancouver, you know, you know what with Tortorella, if you have a good enough camp and you come in feeling energized and all that stuff, you might be able to do something because you know what the problem with teams is in the beginning of the year, even good ones. They're still putting it all together. Everybody's especially, still figuring it out. Especially if you're a team like let's and I'm throwing use New Jersey. And I don't think New Jersey didn't make a ton of ads to their all like in their offseason right. compared to some of the other Metro teams anyway. Right. But when you have new guys, even a training camp isn't enough to get you like, hey, you know yeah, what? That, we know exactly where everybody's gonna be at that time. And that first real game, you're still working out kinks for sure. Right. And the Flyers kind of ran it back. So maybe they have a little bit more chemistry in a weird sort of way. Especially if they do run a veteran-heavy training camp or preseason, like we kind of think they Right. Might. So I look at, like, the first six games, hold for, like, the Florida trip that's in the middle there. But even a team like Nashville, like, who I think will make the playoffs next year, may be going through some issues at the very beginning of the year that makes that a, a different, different type of game. Sure. Right? You get to the two weeks in, and it's, in a row, by the way, all of these games in a row. Florida, Carolina, Rangers, Toronto, Ottawa, St. Louis. That feels like a six-game losing streak waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. And Florida's not going to be as good as they were last year because they've lost pieces. Carolina's kind of try, like, trying to hold down what they had last year because I don't think they added as much as they like to balance some of the things that they don't have anymore, potentially. Right. But the Rangers, Toronto what Ottawa did in the offseason, St. Louis is still just as good of a team as they were last year. Like before you even get into some of the others, like they have a stretch after that. That is a bunch of teams that could be middle of the pack. Yep. Columbus twice, Dallas, Boston, like teams that are not necessarily going to be at the top of the playoff team list, but probably could make like probably could and should make the playoffs. Potentially. I mean, I, Columbus is a little bit of a question. Johnny Gaudreau is going to score so many goals against this Flyers team. They're oh both on the road too, by the way, he's going to score. So many goals this season, but but then think okay, think about this. Then think about this stretch when you come out of like right around Thanksgiving. They play what six times? Fifteen Johnny Gaudreau goals. <laughs> six? Uh, no, I thought it was four or five. I thought you like, played the division six times. Okay, no, the divisions cut down oh, now because right, of all right, the other right. stuff. So because because remember how they kept losing Pittsburgh games? Right. They used to play Pittsburgh five times a year guaranteed and now it's like three or four. Okay, fine. So they played them four times. Uh ten Johnny Gaudreau goals. Um but right after Thanksgiving you have a schedule that is Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders twice, Tampa, Jersey, Colorado, Washington, Vegas, and then you finally get the like reprise with a reprieve with Arizona. Which by the time you're done with that, yep. you're on the road in the middle of a West Coast trip and it's de- it's mid December. And who knows if you where you still you're have your be. GM in place. I, like pretty much, yeah. Like well, I just don't, I just don't know. Like, like the the one thing I've been thinking about more than anything in the last couple weeks is for this team to get fans back in the seats legitimately. They almost need a gimmick, and I'm not talking about gimmick like gritty gimmick or promotion. Tough and fighty. No, I'm talking about you need a gimmick like the guy who comes into the league and is a video game cheat code. Connor Bedard would be nice. Well, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you need a guy who people sit there and look and they go, "This guy's it's it's like it's a, it's like it's for show. It's like it's an entertainment thing. It's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters play." Just trade for Austin Matthews. It sh- shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> he's only got he's only got two years left on his deal. It'll be easy. 
that that type of stuff would get interesting though if like certain guys who are true superstars make it to free agency in the next Man. couple of years that would be something you but, know i i know we don't talk about mma a ton on this show i'm gonna mention it here <laughs> nate diaz fight fought the last fight on his ufc contract last night and he's kind of the first big mma star to hit it, make it to free agency very interesting to see what he does next see what paul brother he boxes <laughs> that's good i like that's, that oh that's, that's like legitimately probably what he's gonna do uh they've been talking um, trash to each other for like a year and a half that's all I'm, that's all i'm saying like you can come in and talk about that all you want to bad starts not an option this that you know right. where the where the room is now it, nothing matters until you play a game and I, I i like expectations are really low to begin with but to me the thing that you know, like at the end of the day no matter how you want to – like the thing that is the downfall of this organization in the last several years at this point, if we're talking about the last couple in particular, is that pre-pandemic, it's March of 2020, first couple home games during that month before you get – you know, before everything stops. Yeah. Building sold out like it usually is because people were excited. Yep. That building was packed. I was still living in the city at the time. Games were expensive. I've talked about picking up last-minute StubHub tickets on this show before, you know, sitting three rows off the glass for 30 bucks, whatever, because I bought the tickets mm -hmm. at 645 Games were getting friggin' expensive. You couldn't get in the building for less than 60, 60 right. bucks. Right, and the th that, But that's the thing, right? Like, this is now the fan pass thing, if we're looking at it that way, which is to essentially kind of in a way say we're giving away tickets for free. Yeah. Because... In the grand scheme of things, if someone buys that package, and unless you unless this is a total ripoff and everybody's getting the standing room or whatever tickets right. for twenty five dollars sure, a piece, I'm sure like that's what Comcast is hoping because that means the building is too full to put them anywhere yeah, but you else. Can't, at the end of the day, aesthetically, they know what they have to do, which is fill the lower bowl. Yep. So I don't look. I don't know how you're going to do that. But they're going to do that by this fan pass thing. Well, no, here's the other thing. OK, so this is the second example that I can think of where they've done something that involves, hey, we're going to give a tick kind of give tickets away. Right. In this case, they're giving away seats because let's put it this way. The thing if it's ninety nine dollars per ticket in the fan pass. Right. Right. So you get two fan passes for ninety nine each, let's just say. Right. Right. Then if you get one ticket through your fan pass for the month that is at face value about $100, which is basically lower – anything lower level then will take care of it, then it's already paid for itself and you're going yep. to three games for free. Yep. So, well, minus parking and soda. Well, that's where they're – and that's where they're going to get you, of course. Yep. Yes, that's where they're yep. going to get you. But – well, which is – okay, that's another interesting promotion though because one of the other promotions that they have coming up – this season which i actually think is a good idea which it's a good idea with it within reason and right. i say that because of the fact that based on what you were just talking about about you know the influence of the old timers and what this team was built built uh -huh. upon then throwback thursdays may not be the greatest idea in the world yeah and the first one by the way the the 60s and 70s broad street bullies one is the game i may or may not be going to while i'm in philadelphia next month well so. So that it, works out. If you do, by the way, if you well, then here's the thing. If you do want something that's kind of cool about it, that I at least that I think is really cool about it, is that okay? So they announced this type of thing, right? 
And are you going to mention it, the uh, the vintage pricing? Yes, because I think that like on certain concessions, if you're going to do like I, I want to get because they did the they like first of all, it's getting to the point where I kind of can't stand when they release anything that's kind of supposed to be supposed to be fun right like they put out about throwback thursdays they put out the promotion schedule and i yep. just i immediately flock to twitter just to see the comments yep because just you know be what's miserable. coming like it doesn't matter well because it doesn't matter like in other yep. words what people are trying to say like how many comments come up that are either related to fire your general manager or sell the team because that's how fed up people are right well and they've obviously they've cranked up the promotional schedule and it's more jam-packed than i ever remember and i do want to talk about that a little bit but like okay like here's the thing everything about these things is exactly the same as it's always been when it comes to throwback whatever right so whatever right. night it is in celebration of these eras you're bringing the you're, you're springing you know special guests for the flyers alumni exclusive highlights and historic footage in arena music from each of the areas they've done all this before it's already right. happened right. in arena organist which i think they've played like an organ track during games before but like whatever okay maybe you're throwing let's you just like you, dj reed streets doesn't have an organ no i don't think he does oh, okay the thing that gets me is the special throwback pricing because yeah, you if know, they're gonna do it, it on like popcorn. I don't care if you do it on just you know on sodas and hot dogs. It's crazy because they're gonna do it on popcorn. It's gonna be a dollar a dollar box. pretzel. Was it gonna be dollar no, pretzel night? It's gonna be a dollar a box instead of the normal six dollars or whatever it is, and they're still gonna have a profit margin of eighty cents on it. <laughs> <laughs> but well, like, tell me I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> I, uh, let's let's just wait until they have one. I won't know. Right. You know what I mean? I Like, I, I hope it's more than just one item. Let's just put it that way. All right. I, that's fair. Like, I hope it's more than just sitting here saying, like, hey, we're going to get, you know, special pricing on food, beverage, and retail items. Okay, so food and beverage, like, like, and well, by the way, speaking of special prices on and throwback pricing on food, beverage, and retail items, God help them if they do it on beer. <sighs> give, <laughs> give me Dollar beers. Give me 1972 prices on jerseys, you cowards. Uh, that... I don't even know if they can do that because were people even buying jerseys at that time? Uh, probably. I, I not. guess. I guess so. I mean, I guess so. It was just like they weren't well, made I, the way they weren't made the way they are now. In find them. Production. Put them up. Put them up for whatever you charge the players for them because you know they charged the players for them back in the day. That's fair. I guess. <laughs> um, Owners used to get away with murder. Can I go? Can I go to this promotions thing? By the way, because there's some there's like okay. I don't care. I, I don't care about the nights like this night or that night. They've done this stuff before, and ninety right. percent of what I saw was already done before, right? Like everything has been. If done you're before. taking out the throwbacks, it's you know who cares about you know like okay, you're doing a dollar dog night, hockey fights, cancer night, military appreciation, sure, um, All the, Star Wars, Star Wars night, the holiday spectacular, St. Patrick's Day is there. Yes, exactly. Um, they'll they'll exactly. do their Halloween night. Like they they hit all the favorites. By the way, they're called. <laughs> I'm I'm not I, like I didn't want to make this joke tonight because I was going to wait until they played a couple of games first before I made this joke. But they're calling that game their Halloween spooktacular, and I'm wondering if that has nothing to do with the production value of the. Uh, I, you know what? They do a good job on the in-house production value. No, 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 no. I know I what know. I'm saying is, is that okay? Halloween spooktacular. It means there's some pregame video that's gonna like light up the thing I, in spooky I, right. colors, whatever. Is and it spooktacular? Might... 
Is it spectacular the fact that they play the Carolina Hurricanes that night and God knows what kind of game you're going to get? I'd like to see – well, they'll wear the black jerseys because they always wear the black and orange on Halloween too. Um, Maybe because of the fact oh, that there is also, there's reverse, the reverse retro, retro coming back this year. Now, right. now granted, that is exactly what your um, Give me throwback the black is jersey. for. The, 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 for what it's worth, that's exactly what your throwback is for. Okay, okay listen. NHL, listen to me very carefully. I'm going to give you two short phrases. Black jersey, white shoulders, done. You're done. That's the jersey. <laughs> Bring back the Eric Desjardins captain 1997 third alternate jersey. That's all we want. <laughs> by, uh, by the way, um, a little unrelated note here from the promotion stuff really quick. Okay. Um, Bill Meltzer tweeted this out about a half hour ago. So it's our typical Sunday, by the way. So yeah. this is when, what I'm talking about is for Monday. Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes are speaking to the media tomorrow in Voorhees. All NHL roster players have reported to Flyers Training Center. Okay, so like we so mentioned, the entire that. team is the entire team is here, and it's two weeks before, or it's a week and a half before training camp. Yeah, officially. And, and you know what? I think that's a really good place to send us to a wrap here. Uh, we got Pretty two weeks. To. Yeah, I did uh, want to know one, one thing. I was talking about with the promotions, really yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have stuff on here, like. When you look at just the giveaway items, okay, and like, yes, okay, you're starting off the year like you do the T-shirt at the beginning of the year. Like, th- that's all well and good, okay? I have no problem with that type of stuff at all. But then you start to get into some of this stuff, and it's just like, man, they really stretch some of this stuff with, like, ideas or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like December 5th, Flyers Hot Cocoa Mug. Why specify it? Why not just give out a mug? You know, like, why do they right. have to specify to something? The winter hat thing is fine because the winter hat thing, I think they've done that almost every year. Uh, yeah, they life. do that a lot. Which, and listen, you're at a hockey game. Winter hat makes sense. Right. Gritty. All, all they dancers. want is for somebody to get a hat trick in that game. It doesn't matter who. Sure. Gritty <laughs> hula dancer. Oh, that's, it reminds me of the, uh, the Jake Voracek Chia pet. Well, somebody asked when the Ryan Ellis one's coming out. <laughs> Wow. They can't get him in the building. They can't get him in the building long enough to sit for the mold. I guess so. Um, No, but like, okay. They tried three times. Here's the reason why I made the face. Like I made the face that I did when I brought up this one, the gritty hula dancer thing. Okay. So several, like several years ago, I think like at this point, God, almost 15, I think 15 years ago, it would have been what they would have done this. The Phillies had a hula bobble figurine for Shane Victorino, which made all the sense in the world because the hey, Hawaiian. here's a baseball player. His nickname is the Flying Hawaiian. We're doing this promotion that it's he's a, it's a hula figurine. And oh, by the way, we played during the summer. Well, it, well, yes, but like, okay, <laughs> you're playing off of one of your players, right? Who is a who is Hawaiian? Nickname the Flying Hawaiian. Let's put a let's do a hula figurine of it. Right, makes sense. Well, especially when you consider there's play there's players there's fans out there at the time he was relatively new to the team kind of there's probably fans out there that didn't even know what his actual name was. That's fair. You could ask a kid who's your favorite player and a kid would go the flying Hawaiian. Yep. And Shane. yes, you could put two and two together, but the kid might not Shane, be able to tell you Shane Victorino. Shane Victorino took the city by storm. I just look at that and I go, okay, first of all, it's on gritty, which is again using gritty as yeah, the marketing right. ploy here. But the other thing is, is like. What freaking sense does it make? None. Right? Like, it's just a random promotion, you know, that, like, I you, just don't get it. 
because you want kids to see the commercial and go, I want that. Can we go to that game, please? Mom? You have a kid's day. You have Star and you have Star Wars night and Marvel Superhero Day and all of that stuff. I like I think that, like, 41 games a year to sell out. I, the, well, like they're not going well, to, but like exactly. that's what I'm saying. 41 games a year that they got to try to sell 20,000 tickets per. Like even okay, even this other one, the one that comes after that. Ice cube mold. Like what? <sighs> Like the, their last promotion of the year is well, they the know, first one that's made any sense. They know Flyers fans are doing a lot of drinking these days, so they want you to have fancy ice for it. Um, like the last promotion of the year is they're they're doing a Sean Couturier bobblehead, and I sit there and I go, "There you go, a sure. player that people know, and you're doing a bobblehead." He might that's even be healthy giveaway. by then. Well, yeah, it's fair, but <laughs> but that's a giveaway, is it not? Like. A bobblehead of a player who's on the roster. Not an ice cube mold that most people are going to sit there. Like, okay. Here, How many a, of those are going to get left under the seats? Well, that, that's one thought. Or here's a great example. Okay. I've been covering the team for what? Eight years? Nine years? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So it doesn't happen all the time. Like, I don't have every promotion they've ever given away. But a lot of times they come around to the media and hand out the, the promotions yeah, at night. Yeah. Just as like a thing. And – Listen, I guarantee you nine times out of ten, the media members that get it either throw it up on their Twitter later and say, okay, I'll give it away to somebody right. as, some, like, as something or hold on to it and give it to like, hey, I have a family member who I know is a fan who right. you know, I could give this to and they'll be thrilled to have it because they couldn't go to the game and they'll be thrilled for it or whatever. Right. 90% of it for me was I didn't have people I necessarily had to give it away to. I didn't use it. I just had it. Sure. So in the process of making a move, you find a bunch of crap that you didn't realize that you had, and half of it goes like, oh, I have this old whatever. So most of the Flyers promo material got uh, got put in the throwaway bin? Well, for one, I don't have that much storage like to to utilize for that anyway. Right. Like, let's be real. Like, I'm not storing all of that all the time. But, like, the idea that... Like, for so much of this stuff, who keeps it for that long? Right. You know what I mean? Like, nine times out of ten, somebody takes it home from the game, has it for a couple of months, and then realizes later, oh, yeah, I still have this thing. Chuck. Yeah, I don't want this. Get rid of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and... But, but does that happen? Like, that doesn't... To me, that doesn't happen with bobbleheads. Okay. Bobbleheads are something that I know a lot of people, if you get one, you might not... You might not like keep it out on display all the time but if you give out a good enough like hey i have this bobblehead i have this it'll make whatever. its way onto office desks and things of that well nature. that's another that's like, another great that's actually another great example because for people who have who have an office to go to and i know that's kind of changed in you know today's right. world a little bit but a lot of people do or you have the home office set up you know what i mean like i'm yeah. sitting here right now i definitely if I get if, like if I were to go even as a member of the media and get something like that, it's a piece for behind this like behind you in the backdrop. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting here trying to sit there and put it out there like, oh, yeah, I'm a fan of the team, blah, blah, blah. Like I cover the team. It's 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 a good piece because it's actually a display piece of something that you actually work with. You know what I right, mean? Right. As opposed to the idea that you're getting something that's like I'm not displaying an ice cube tray. <sighs> I'm not well, displaying a mug per se. Yeah. 
Well, and I don't necessarily know if anybody's going to be displaying a whole lot from this team moving forward this year anyway. So Well, you're right, but like when we and look, that's that's the next step here is yep. you know, we'll get into like the next couple shows. It's going to be getting into I was going to say, yeah. You know, what's going on at camp? The fact that I just brought that up by the way, the yep. um the fact that everybody's there. Yep. So We'll see where it goes. I mean, yeah, and I think we covered a lot of our pre-camp thoughts when we were talking about. Oh yeah, we did earlier it's just, for sure. And I do, I do um, think there's an element to the two guys that are supposed to speak first. I guess among this group. Yeah, I'd, I've mentioned before that I'm pretty sure one of them is going to have the say on. Well, that kind of goes back to Tortorella's comments though, because he said he's in no rush, and that's still that's a month before they start the season, right? Now, I don't know if in no rush means I'm in no rush to do it now and I'm going to watch all of camp. And then when we get out of camp, I'll name a captain or. Yeah, but just because he's in no rush doesn't mean he doesn't kind of already know who he's looking at, I'm sure. No, but I think no, but I think you'd want to like to me, that's one of the things you'd want to iron out sooner rather than later. Who resonates with the room? Maybe that, that's yeah. something you iron out a little bit. Or you, I, don't, well, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they named that captain between the last preseason game in the first regular I, listen season. i'm of the belief and i've said this before that they shouldn't even name one period oh i completely but, agree with you it's just but, a matter of what they will do which is why i like the idea of i'm not in a rush yep and oh. speaking of things that will happen is that we will be back in two weeks with another show uh, yeah we talked about this we talked about this last week a little bit that it's going to be a little bit of a slow start for us in terms yep. of we are going back stick. and forth stuff well i i have a lot of stuff going on in the next couple of months in October and November right. that is going to force me to take a few weekends off yeah. definitely from doing this, but also I'm, I'm missing a few games right off the, right off the hop pretty right. much. I mean, yeah, you know, next, next weekend, like I'm in a, I'm in a friend's wedding in November. Um, so next weekend is the bachelor weekend. So I'm completely out for all of rookie stuff at that point. Yep. I'll be I'll be around for the first couple of like weeks of preseason and then right as the regular season gets started I have another wedding I have to go to that is not at all local it's in California. As a matter of fact the funny thing is is that as I was looking at the days when the days when I'm going to that um we are supposed to land in California in the LA area on October 12th, the Wednesday of that week. Okay. Turns out and like my wife wants to do, we have, we've never been to California. Like we're not that kind of travel people typically. So we've never been out that way. So first thing you think of when you think of the LA area kind of in terms of, or that, that, that general area, what comes to mind? Uh, in terms of things side, to do, uh, Hollywood probably. Okay. We're not me, like, we're not that crazy know. about that. Cause we're not talking about, okay. We're not talking about in the heart of LA. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I don't know, man. Are you going for tacos? <laughs> no, it, no, Disneyland. Oh, okay, fair enough. So we go, we get, we get our whole setup done and all that stuff like that. We're staying in that general area, so we're staying more in the Anaheim area for the first couple of nights. We're gonna shift to the toward the coast a little bit more, um, as the wedding gets closer because that's where the wedding is. Right. Oh, the day fun. we the day we land on that Wednesday. The Ducks open their season at home against Seattle. Nice. And the hotel we're staying at is literally within, like, I could walk to the arena. Nice. It's one of those. So, so thinking about it. Nice. Because we're, we're scattering in a bunch of other things to do around. The, like, like, 
if it was just like especially if i was doing the um like if i was trying to do these other home games that are in there and stuff like that like i can't do the second game of the year that's the actual day of the wedding but i could have like theoretically i could have sat there and said listen I'll I'll be around for the home opener and the season right. opener against Jersey. Leave on Friday, come back on Sunday, be done with the whole thing, do one day. But why would I fly six hours to go for a day? Right. You know, like yeah, I might no, as well make fun with that. Right. I might as well take a little bit of a trip and just delay my start of the season by a little bit. I'll still write a couple of articles. I just won't be live covering games during that. Yeah. Time. And and we're but still I'm, and we're still committed to bringing you coverage every two weeks uh, through probably Thanksgiving, and then at that point we'll jump back. Yeah, because well, because coverage. we're yeah. So if, if we skip the weekend that I'm talking about, then we come back with a show ahead of the San Jose game. Skip a week because I yeah. think you, well, well, you said you're going to be in town, like back in the area we got a bunch of stuff going on we don't have to break down the week by week no no no, no, no every other week no, through, i know through but like November. everything else like like everything else like it's it, there's there's but there's also some weird weekend scheduling wise too like there's that weekend in november where yeah. they play at one o'clock both days yeah and we'll figure that out as we get to it that's way too far in the future to make any sense no i know plans, i'm just so. throwing stuff out there I yeah know. all right so we will be back in a couple of weeks with that last episode before everything really kind of starts getting going uh, in the meantime, we'll actually have a preseason game to talk. About. I know. And uh, in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter at YWT podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. You can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. Um, I think I mentioned follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, (laughs) Other than that, I think we're good here. This is episode 159 in the books. We'll be back next week. And uh, until then, we'll see you.